Free Your Inner Guru is a listener-supported show. Supporting the podcast is also designed to support you by keeping the episodes free of ads, but also with rewards for your donation like the Free Your Inner Guru guidebook, a private listener forum, and live monthly Q&A sessions. To become a supporting member, you can visit patreon.com forward slash free your inner guru. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. This podcast is a place where we have big conversations about conscious leadership, personal development, entrepreneurship, and the self-help industry, and this interview is no exception. My guest is Avra Fainer. Avra is a performance and presentation coach who knows firsthand the importance of becoming more self-aware and sharing your story. When Avra was at the peak of achievement in both acting and business, she experienced a severe challenge in the form of mental illness. In this compelling conversation, Avra shares with me how her diagnosis with bipolar 2 was an important step towards authentic self-expression and healthy success. I know you're going to love this conversation as we hit the highs and lows of Avra's courageous journey. Avra, welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So I want to start this conversation by talking about one of the elements and and really what I see as a big part of how you differentiate from other coaches around, and that's your focus on presentation and performance in in two senses, but you have a strong performance background in terms of acting and performing in front of people. And that's what I I find unique about you. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about how you became a performer and uh, and just a little bit of your backstory to ease us into the great conversation we're going to create. Yeah. So I was a really shy kid. Um, I had no real ability to get in front of people. I was very quiet. And then my mother had this brilliant idea of signing me up for an after-school program to go and be part of a, um, of a show. And the show was Grease. And I loved the movie Grease. So I was really excited about it. And I went in and I sang a song and they gave me a role. And, uh, and, and that was kind of it. I had this brilliant experience of, of really enjoying myself, being on stage, having the audience, you know, clap for me and, uh, and be there for me. And I had this, you know, symbiotic relationship with them that I've never really lost. Like, I just, I really love being in front of an audience and really having that connection with them. And so, uh, you know, from there it went into, I did Annie the next year and I played Annie. And uh, that was my first, you know, title role. And, uh, and it went on from there. So I've pretty much been acting ever since when I, I, when I started when I was nine. Okay, so this is, there are two so interesting segues here, right off the bat. First of all, Annie, I don't know how, well, I know I'm quite a bit older than you. I know that because Annie came out for the first time around the same time as Grace. And I know I was about nine or 10 years old. It would have yeah. been the late seventies. And those were two of the, well, and Greece came out a bit later because I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so those are two sort of really defining musicals of a certain time in my life. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's kind of fun that you had that, um, you had the experience of being in it from that perspective. Yeah. What did you like about how the audience responded to you? Well, you know, it was one of those things where I love applause. 
I love when people laugh. I love when people, uh, you know, I say something and there's a response and, and it's really that simple, right? It's like having that connection. It, It does feel a little bit symbiotic where I do something, they respond, and then I feed off that energy and I'm able to keep growing and building and, uh, and getting better because they're giving me the energy. They're feeding me with that energy. And then you've, so you've, you still perform if I understand correctly. I do. Yeah. Always done. Yeah. And then how did you weave that into your work with people? Yeah. So basically what happened was I was coaching people in high performance, just high performance. So that means things like clarity and energy and courage, the things that that you know very well as a coach. Um, And what happened was my clients started saying things like, you have this performance background. You know how to get in front of an audience. You understand these things that I don't understand. And, you know, I've, I've got to get in front of an audience. I've got to be able to speak to people. I've got to be able to communicate in a different way. And can you help me with that. And so it was an organic transfer, if that makes sense. I I started moving from being able to coach people just in in high performance to performance and presentation. And that was was a a really interesting shift for me, but it's been a really rewarding one as well. What do you, what makes it interesting and rewarding? Is it because the, the impact of it, like when you're on stage is it's, clear and visible and, and I, I would guess in terms of some long-term results yeah. near immediate. Exactly. So, so it's, it's very rewarding to see somebody go from being sort of like I was the child, you know, shy and quiet and unable to really express their emotions or express their feelings um, to being able to use their voice and use their body and use their, you know, their ability to influence, to make a difference in other people's lives. And that, you know, I, I've sort of said this before, presentation isn't about one person or about a thousand people. It's, it's about being able to connect and communicate. It's, it's not about getting on stage. It's about being able to have a conversation with a friend and being able to influence that conversation. It's, it's about being able to be you know, truly you in front of anybody who you want to be able to have that impact on. And it's funny because when we got on here, I said to you, I'm going to have to run downstairs and present myself to some people a couple of doors down um, because we'd been having conversations about, well, what is presentation? And yes, it is about getting on stage, but it's also in the, in the smaller moments and not 15 minutes before our scheduled time, there's been construction going on next door. And today is the day right now where they are using that machine to, I think it's called tamp down the driveway, the interlocking mm-hmm. brick driveway. And it is super loud. Think jackhammer loud. <laughs> that's, that's disruptive to, to what you and I are doing right now. Yeah. So I went downstairs immediately and went to see if I could speak to them and, and, and I thought, well, there's two ways I could approach this. I could be, you know, outraged, overwhelmed, angry, frustrated, you know, show my frustration because my initial act- reaction was like, really, this is happening now, right? Because these things go on for a while and we're near the end. But then I went out and just had to shift that and spoke to the gentleman there and made an arrangement that when we were ready to start, I would come down. And when we were done, I would come and tell them. And they were more than happy once I explained what it was about to, to I suppose they're probably taking lunch. Like they adapted to my request. 
Mm-hmm. And even just that, that's exactly, that's impact, that's influence, that's an ability to really get in front of somebody and make a change because you were able to present. Absolutely. So when you work with someone, what are some of the reasons why people contact you to, to work with you? So in, in a lot of cases, it's just a question of, you know, I've got something coming up and I need to be able to feel confident. So I'm, I've got a speech coming up or I've got to be able to get in front of an audience and I've got to be able to feel good about it. Um, and, and that's fine. That's, you know, essentially what I would call the bread and butter part of the business. But um, I, I really enjoy when people come to me and they say, overall, I struggle with communication. And overall, I have, tr- I have trouble being with people and being able to, to influence or impact them because that lets me go really deep with somebody and it lets me have conversations that guide them and allow them to grow and allow them to become sort of the best communicators and influencers that they can be. And I love that kind of work. Now, you come to this work with some understanding from personal experience of what it's like to have blocks between you and what you want. Um, I was thinking about that before we got on here and there's a statement I was trying to put together an Instagram post of all things, but I wanted to come up with a pithy, um, short thing to make into an image, something around the idea that your success is related to the freedom that you have to take the aligned actions before the result. Like, mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a lot there. Like the, before the result is the faith piece, like the faith that if I do it long enough and it's correct action and it's aligned, the result will come, but the freedom piece. So we all go through times in our lives where there is some kind of resistance, impediment, um, potentially illness. And, and you've had that experience where there've been times in your life where you weren't able, I'm to, to take those actions. I'd like to invite you to share that piece and how that fits into having an impact now. Yeah. So about three, four years ago now, I was running at a hundred percent. I was doing everything. I was building my business. Um, I was actually producing shows out in Chicago. Um, so I was doing my theater thing. I was doing my business thing. I was really, I was running, I was, I was doing great. Um, and then a bunch of things happened at once. Uh, I changed countries. I got married. I got certified as a coach and I, I hit the wall. I hit the wall really, really hard. And essentially everything kind of came crashing down. So my business stopped growing. Uh, I couldn't produce my shows anymore. I moved home and I lost all my friends in Chicago and it, it basically became clear that there was something wrong, something beyond just, you know, me having too much going on and me being, you know, in that struggle point. Um, so I went to my doctor and I had a conversation and, and I was diagnosed with bipolar two, which basically means that um, I was running at a hundred percent, but I was also experiencing, experiencing anxiety and depression. So I had these, you know, these grandiose visions and I, I could do anything. And I was running at this, you know, extreme speed, but I was also non-functional. So I had to go through this long period of recovery, basically, um, where I had to take six months off work. I had to take, uh, a bunch of time, 
uh, a bunch of times switching my medications so that I could be healthy. And so I had to go through withdrawal, which was really horrible. Um, and basically in terms of allowing me to have a bigger impact and getting me to a place where I was really comfortable again, it took a lot of time and it took a lot of effort and it took a lot of ability to know myself. I think that's, that was really the sort of harder piece was learning to know myself in a different way. Um, and, and saying, these are the things that come across as a problem. This is, this is evidence right now, right here of something that I need to fix. How do I do that? How do I go back to being me and being functional and being, you know, that, that driving force that I've always been. And it sounds like do it from a, from a healthy place versus like you used the word grandiose earlier, which was unexpected. And, and that's kind of it. It's when you look at the symptoms of bipolar, one of the things that is, that is actually listed as a symptom is grandiose thoughts and grandiose, um, you know, plans and assuming that you can do more than you, than you can. And to your point, it was a question of being able to come back to it from a healthy place and saying, I have these plans and these goals and these dreams, but I'm going to, I'm going to approach them in a way that allows me to actually do that with health and with joy and with impact, as opposed to just sort of running blindly and hoping that they work. So for every single type A high achiever who's on the path listening right now, and I will include myself in that, you know, psychographic, um, what would be the difference between, you know, driven, purposeful, on it, experiencing challenges, experiencing frustration, experiencing life, um, and you know, I'm even thinking of people, say my age now, early 50s, parents, elderly parents, you know, children on one side, lots of stuff and lots of pressure going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I resonated with how you described yourself like, oh, you know, that sounds a lot like me some of the times. What's the difference? I think that the difference for me was, it, it was that I was going, 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 but I was also non-functional. And by that, I mean, I was experiencing extreme anxiety. I was experiencing extreme depression. So it wasn't just that I was go, go, go. when I had all these great thoughts and plans and everything like that. I was also really in a bad place mentally. I felt badly about what I was doing. So I had these, like really these great, awesome plans. And I was like, I'm going to be, you know, a millionaire in a year and I'm going to, so it was a little bit more than maybe, most people would think of there, there was a lack of sort of that, um, that natural, mm, what am I trying to say here? That natural thought process where you go, no, that's not going to be quite possible. Like it's not, we're not quite there, you know? So it was this mixture of being really physically and mentally drained and tired and stuff like that. And also being like, I'm going to be a millionaire. Like that, that was sort of where I was at. It was this interesting mixture that was really not healthy. And so when you sort of say, compare that to somebody who's driven and, and, you know, go, go, go. And, and that kind of thing, I think the difference is it was a little bit more than that. It, there was a lack of realism to what, what I was experiencing in addition to the anxiety and depression. I can't help, but think that we live in a time 
and in a culture where these types of thoughts are encouraged. Yeah, we are. And especially when, you know, you're, you're living in a world online where everybody's doing, you know, that thing, everybody is, you know, you've got your influencers who are on a boat out in Cuba somewhere, you know, living the life. And they're saying, well, you know, all I did was coach some people three times a week. And now here I am making millions, you know, on a boat. And you go, well, of course I can do that too. Except not everyone can. And maybe not everyone is. That's exactly it. You know, most people, well, I'm not going to say most people, but I'm going to say a lot of people who are putting themselves out there in a certain way online probably don't have that that actually happening in their lives. Like there's probably a, a disconnect between what they're showing and what they're experiencing. And we always see the good, right? We always see the best of what somebody is experiencing, but we don't necessarily get to see, you know, the real stuff, the real issues, the real hard stuff, which is why I try to share online when I'm experiencing hard stuff, because I want people to understand that, you know, even somebody who is high performing and who is working to help people to make an impact and influence and all that kind of stuff. I struggle. I have a hard time sometimes, and I want people to know that and and be able to identify with that. If we're finding that it's reminding us of ourselves, who's to say it might not be bipolar too. It might be treatable anxiety, treatable Mm -hmm. depression, treatable any other of the myriad of diagnosable mental um, illnesses that, that there are support systems out there for. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then the self navigation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the part that's really hard, right. Is being able to have enough self-awareness to say, this might be me. Like I'm going to go see a doctor because I think these symptoms sound like something that I might be having. Like that, that was the conversation I was having with a friend of mine, right? Where he said, your symptoms sound like my symptoms. And I said, well, then go see a doctor, go, you know, actually have that conversation with somebody who isn't just me because it's important to know. And then, and then find the solutions. And even, wouldn't you think that even if it wasn't, um, starting that conversation could be the impetus for unexpected self-awareness in another way. Yeah. Not something that's diagnosable, but your, or doesn't get a, a label for lack of a better word. Sometimes it's really good to have labels because then we know where, where to go for, for help. And then sometimes, you know, we can label ourselves and keep ourselves in a, in a box. But when we're talking about, um, an honest to goodness mental illness, it's Mm -hmm. much better to find out than to be trying every which way of um, self-support or on the, on the other end of the the spectrum, you know, numbing behaviors, avoidance um, and other unhealthy toxic things where we're actually self-harming. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people fall into. A lot of people fall into that self-harming numbing behavior because that's what's easier than identifying and being able to deal with mental illness. Mm -hmm. And it's also, again, part of the culture, right? Like it's, it's part of the culture to um, like one of the things I notice about say in our business realm, part of the the networking culture is to go out and, and, and go and have a drink Mm -hmm. or go out. And, you know, if you're doing it a lot, you're, you're eating 
out and you're not, your nutrition is more or less out of your control. Mm -hmm. Right. And these, and this is the, well, in my framework, the recurring actions Mm -hmm. of what we're trying to do. And, and even that you can take yourself off course and leave your sensibilities and sense of self compromised. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to do and it's so hard to be aware of, but the more self-aware you can be and the more aware you can be of your symptoms and of the, the, the way that you come across in the world, the more likely it is that you'll be able to be healthy and you'll be able to be functional and you'll be able to be that amazing person that you can be. Yeah. And I guess, bottom line, if you're feeling like shit, get it checked out. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What was it like for you to come back to yourself? Can you share a little bit about that journey? Yeah. A lot of it was developing self-awareness that I didn't have before. So learning to identify, you know, if I had a mood that was particularly irritable or if I had a thought that was, it just felt outside of what my natural thought process should be. It was learning to identify those things and say, no, wait, that's not me. That's not how I want to be. That's not how I want to come across. That's not how I I would come across. And and I was lucky enough to have my my husband there present throughout all that, who could also point out at me and say things like, are, are you sure that you mean to be saying that? Or are you sure that you're thinking what, you know, what you should be thinking right now? Because he knows me extremely well. And so he was able to point out and help me with that self-awareness as I was redeveloping it. So, you know, I always thought I was self-aware, but it was really developing this level of uh, no, this is, this is not me. And this is, and making a conscious choice to be a certain way, as opposed to letting it just kind of go and seeing how it played out. You know, I was learning how to, how to really make that choice. It sounds to me like it's, um, there's a balance there between becoming and being from the inside out much in the spirit of free your inner guru. Yeah. But also monitoring from the outside in. It was both. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so we were having a conversation not that long ago about the power of environment. And it, how does that relate in the sense that, you know, you mentioned having a, a supportive person in your life. I imagine it would have been very challenging for him. Mm-hmm. but to hold, you know, to be that mirror for you at times, asking the questions and, and, and then getting to discern between what was authentically you and yeah. what was coming from a place of the, the illness. Yeah. It, I, I think that to your point about environments, I mean, I, I consider myself so lucky as it relates to relationships because I have that external factor to bounce off of, to mirror me, to understand who I am. I mean, my husband and I were best friends for four years before we started dating. So he was somebody who knew me intimately before we ever had our first kiss, you know? And so knowing that, knowing I have that person who is as deeply connected to me as as anybody could possibly be, um, allowed me in that environment to, to really grow and come out of that in a way that, you know, maybe wouldn't have been, well, no, not maybe absolutely would not have been nearly as, as easy or not that it was easy anyway, but as possible as it was for me. So in terms of environment relationship for me is, is just number one, I would say in terms of what allows me to be a high performer. 
So now having walked that path, how does that inform you? And because and, I find just like with my own journey, some of the most challenging and difficult pieces have become a big part of um, what we use in our work, because to one degree, if it's if it's if we know it's work for us, we obviously want to share it, or not obviously, but we want to share it with mm-hmm. other people. Um, but it's also that experience of, like you were saying, you essentially lost connection with yourself, and yet one of the driving factors was this ability to connect not just with a one to one person, but but with groups of people. It was um, it was definitely one of those things where. I had to learn to, to connect outside of myself. I had, to, I had to learn to be able to take what I had internally, all of those challenges, all of those issues, and be able to share them. And, and that, not just necessarily on a one-to-one basis, as you said, with my husband, but I have, I have at this point now shared that story about me being diagnosed and having mental illness and all that kind of stuff. I've shared that widely as part of my presentations, as part of what I actually do um, on purpose, because I want people to understand and I want people to be able to identify with that and say, this is, this is somebody who is a high performer, is a presentation coach, is somebody who can get in front of people and and share. And this is her, this is her story. This is an authentic thing that she has experienced. I want people to actually have that experience of seeing me put myself out there in that way, because that is an inspiration point for them to be able to put themselves out there in that way. Did you ever feel any kind of stigma or fear of stigma for speaking to these things publicly? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mental illness is certainly still something that we have to be aware of. Um, As you know, I I was lucky enough that, again, all the people who were close to me in my life were kind of there for me. But I remember at some point, you know, early in my diagnosis part, I I told my mother what was going on. She said, well, you don't have bipolar. And I said, no, I do, actually. (laughs) And And it was one of those things where just people didn't believe me because I was high functioning. So being a high functioning person with mental illness, yeah, there is absolutely still a stigma around it. People don't necessarily believe you. People don't necessarily think that that's something that could possibly be a factor in your life, which is why I choose to share it because I want people to understand that mental illness is, is very common. And it's a thing that people can experience all across the board. And, um, you know, and I, and I want people to be able to identify with my experiences. This is big stuff. And and thank you for sharing so candidly, because I think a lot of us, when it comes to being vulnerable and there's also, you know, the, it, it being seen as an authentic human being does require being a certain amount of publicly vulnerable, even if it's just in a one-to-one context with a client, with somebody that we're meeting, with people that we have personal relationships with. But um, being able to now bring that forward in an authentic way, this parallels the work that you do. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're talking about something like storytelling, which is such a key part of presentation, one of the reasons why storytelling works so well in a presentation environment is because it allows us to be authentic and vulnerable. And it allows us to connect with the audience in a way that 
we can't connect with them when we're just sort of spitting out facts. Facts are great, you know, and it, it helps people to learn. And, and that is part of what we want to be able to do as presenters. But if you use stories um, to be able to actually connect with them in a different way, it's meaningful. It's meaningful and it, it lets people understand and remember more than something like, you know, just let me tell you about this particular thing that I know about, you know, and again, facts are great, but stories, stories are what really connect us. And that's because of the, because of the emotional component of story, I would imagine that if, yeah. we, want, if we want to cause change um, in either, you know, going from here, you know, moving from point A to point B, whether it's logically or, um, or to have a, a big emotional effect on people, it really is about engaging on an emotional level. Yeah, it is. And it's about, again, I'm going to use those words authentic and vulnerable. And they're buzzwords nowadays, but they're true. They're true words. You know, if you're going to put yourself in front of an audience and you let them see you as an authentic human being, they will connect to you in a completely different way. If you're vulnerable with them and you share something that's true and deep and powerful with them, again, like the they will be in the palm of your hand. And that's what we want as presenters. We want people to be with us and to be sharing with us that energy. Remember I was saying earlier, you know, me being in front of an audience is that sort of um, that energy transfer where they, they, I feel them and they feel me as a presenter, you want that. And the story will help you get there. What, what do you say to people who come to you and say, well, if I let them see me, I'm concerned they won't like me. Or what, yeah. or what I have to share with all the things that are going on in the world today, my story is not significant. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, a, it's actually a few different things that I would say to that person. The first one is, if you recognize your own power to help people and to uh, influence people, that's big. If you, can, if you can convince somebody mentally to change something, if you can, if you can use your story to actively help somebody to do something different then your story is important. It doesn't matter how big it is or small it is or anything like that. It helps them to be something different or become something different or work in a different way. Then, then it's important. It's an important story. So that's the first piece that I would say is that don't think that your story is too small. Your story is important and that's okay. You know, you, you can, you can think to yourself, this story isn't necessarily as big as what's going on in the world, but if it can help somebody to change, then it's important. So the other half of that is, you know, I'm, I'm shy or I'm, I'm small, or I don't have the ability to really influence or impact somebody. And to that, I would say, there are things you can do to change that, you know, coming back to a practical uh, way of thinking, you know, I always say things like using your voice, using your breath, using your body. These are all really important things that people don't give enough credence to. So when I work with somebody on a one-to-one -one basis, I do a lot of work and it's basic theater work, really. It's where we start as actors, you know, doing a breath warm-up, doing a vocal warm-up, doing, uh, you know, that kind of thing to get us prepped to get on stage. That's something that anybody can do and anybody can do it you know, with the right training and the right teaching. And it'll help you be less small and less, you know, shy 
because it's helping your voice to grow and it's helping your body to grow and it's helping you get to a point where you feel more confident because your body and your voice support you. So I would say that it's, it's that, that is a big thing is allowing yourself to learn the techniques and tools that will help you to get to a point where you are more confident. What can you share and, or possibly what could we do even right now, even though it's a podcast, um, that would, that would be fun and practical in that domain. Cause you've got, you've got my curiosity up. Hmm. That's a good quick thing. You know, it's, <laughs> I really like the idea of doing something like a breath scale. Um, and something like that is not going to translate <laughs> I'm not going to translate well on on a a video, but I'll, I'll tell you about it. How's that? A, a sure. video or a sound thing, and so then I, I might decide because I can always edit it out. And I've heard all kinds. I listened to Russell Brand, and I've heard all kinds of things on there. So I'm not <laughs> with the precedent of that. I'm not afraid. Okay. So. so so a breath scale is something where basically what you're doing is you're oxygenating your brain and you're getting yourself to a much more excited mentally strong, mentally alert place. And what you do is you're going to breathe really strongly. So you start by going like that and you keep going louder and stronger and louder and stronger. So it would be like, and keep going all the way up until you're going really fast and really strong. And then you come back down. So a breath scale is just, again, it's something to oxygenate your brain. We can try it, but I don't think it's going to come through on, on a podcast. You'll be shocked. I'm listening. I can also get to see, but I'm listening and I think it's amazing. Okay. So, because what I'm seeing is you're going in through your nose, out through your mouth, in yeah. through your nose, out from your mouth. And just yesterday morning, I was in a situation where I was facilitating a meeting and the mood, the tone was, was relatively flat. And at the break, I said to somebody, oh, we really need to do some breath work here Mm -hmm. and bring this energy up. So this stuff happens all the time. And I think that goes back to your point of, you know, we don't have to be on a stage with a million cameras on us and lights and wired up with a mic. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to shift some energy. This is something that you can do. So we're going to try. And and the way you light up when you do this is amazing. So thank you. Okay. So teach me. It was, and and we'll just do this. We'll do the brief version, but okay. So So. breathe in through the nose, breathe out through the mouth really forcefully. So it would be make it like a, uh, like a, you know what I mean? Like really, really push out through your mouth with that breath. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And then use your arms to go. Oh yeah. So you're closing. So you're closing. Open, closed. Open, yeah, exactly. Closed. So, yeah. Okay, so I want everybody on Facebook or Instagram to make a comment on these posts when they see them about this episode and let us know if you tried it. Because I think this is, I, I, I love to be fun and talk about the big stories. You know, we have that contrast. But when there's something practical that we can share that is doable in the moment, I, I think there's so much value in that. And, and this could also be, so you're like, you're, you said, you're increasing your energy, mm-hmm. but you're also using your breath. So in a way that is grounding at the same time, isn't it? Like, yeah, 
bringing yourself into your body versus up in your head and your thoughts and, and disengaged from, from yeah. your ability to connect. And usually I would do this standing. So I won't do, I, I, we didn't do it standing now, but I would say if you're going to try it, if you're listening to the podcast, stand up and give it a go so that you can use your whole body trying to do this. And maybe blow your nose just before. It's probably helpful. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. I know that was a bit uncomfortable, but I think, I think it'll be great. Okay. Awesome. yeah, Yeah. No, so good. So good. So when people, people come to you, you're sharing, you share your story with them if, if need be, and your, your intention is to help them to be more of who they are in the world, to be present to that. And also, and also to have that impact. Um, what are some of the, the really super rewarding things that you've seen come of this work? Mm-hmm. I think that for me, the most rewarding thing is watching somebody who came into me feeling small and feeling like they couldn't share a message Um, not even necessarily having them get on stage, but having them come back to me and say, I had this great conversation with my partner and it was amazing. And I was able to share something with them that I'd never shared before. Or I had this great conversation with a friend and I was able to have an impact on them. I was able to really make a difference in their life in a way that I hadn't expected. So just like the small moments, as opposed to the big, I'm going to get on stage, which again are amazing. Like I love if somebody comes to me and says, I have this speech and I went on stage and it was so good, like so good, amazing. But what I think what I love most is, is the small changes. When somebody says this work made a big impact on me and my ability to connect with people. So if somebody was feeling, listening to this, or even knew someone who was feel they saw were feeling small, disconnected, maybe having some challenges that you couldn't quite put a finger on, you know, I'm even thinking back to people who might've seen you be this expansive, um, high achieving person, and then transition into someone who was really deeply struggling. Mm-hmm. What are some of the what are some of the things that that were helpful to you and that might help us to show up better as a human being for someone else and and maybe have that impact to have that difficult conversation that might cause a shift. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, I can give you a few sort of practical exercises that I teach my clients. One of them I really like, it falls into the courage realm, uh, is is basically something I call a presentation persona. And so what that is, is that is helping yourself to think of yourself in a different way. So I I compare it to something like creating a role as an actor. As an actor, I might put myself into a place where mentally I'm thinking of myself in a different way and I'm putting myself on stage and allowing myself to connect to the audience. But the thing about being an actor that a lot of people don't really realize or resonate with is that it's about honesty and truth. It's about, it's about being the most honest you can as somebody else. So that, that is important for me to sort of put out there. Learning to be an honest actor was the hardest thing, you know, as opposed to just hamming it up on stage. It was the hardest thing. So when I say something like a presentation persona, what I mean there is learning to be yourself and honest and truthful and, you know, the most you that you can be, but also being a courageous sort of next level version of yourself. So if you think about having that hard conversation that you might have, think about yourself, that 
next level version of you who has the ability to have that conversation, who's going to be, you know, who's going to be able to be influential and impactful. And think about that person standing beside you and just giving you that courage and giving you that confidence and allowing them to embody you and just move into that space. That can make a real difference for the way that you come across in that conversation. So from a practical standpoint, if there was a difficult conversation that had to be had, and let's say life is crazy all around mm-hmm. it, you don't really feel like you've got the time for this conversation, it really requires saying, okay, that I'm not going to show up as the stressed out, um, conflicted version of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show up as the highly present, attentive, honest but direct version Mm -hmm. of me. Yeah, and and it it actually can help to do that visualization of just taking that person and saying, let me imagine me being that amazing person, being that most communicative, most present, most direct person of me, and have them stand beside you and just close your eyes and imagine them embodying you and take that energy and move forward with it. When you want to show up, like really show up versus, you know, and expand and, and continue to grow versus contracting and shrinking back and keeping to yourself. I see that as being the two ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. and, and the one where you're expansive and trying new things and, and looking at impact in different ways. I see that as the healthier version. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, like when I was sort of really struggling, I was small and I was not impactful. And I was really, you know, at a place where I didn't feel like I could be influential or have those conversations or impact people in a positive way because I was so lost in in my own struggle. And so learning to re-implement some of those habits, things like you know, I use those, those habits, things like the presentation persona, things like learning how to use my breath and my body coming back to those habits was part of what pulled me out of the really difficult situation I was in. Mm. And and sometimes we, we abandon those habits, the ones that really prop ourselves up when we're struggling. Yeah. And I did a hundred percent. I did. I, I just wasn't there anymore. I wasn't present. I wasn't, I wasn't mentally at a place where I could move myself to do the work I needed to do to pull myself out of it. So as the time went on and as I was able to, you know, start mentally getting there with the support of my husband and with the changes of medication and with those kinds of things, I also re-implemented the habits that really helped me to become a high performer again. Well, Avra, thank you so much for sharing yourself with us today. Um, I love the combination of your story uh, with your message and, and the work that you do with people. It's, um, it's, it's powerful and it's inspiring. Thank you. It's been so lovely having this conversation. If you would like to know more about Avra, you can find her by following the links in the show notes. She's at Avra Fainer on social media or visit her website directly at avrafainer.com. Thank you for listening to Free Your Inner Guru. I know you have a lot of choice where you receive your inspiration and information. If today's episode resonated with you, I'd be grateful if you would take a few extra seconds for three quick things. First, if there's an idea or story that you know would make a difference in someone else's life, follow the link in the show notes back to our website where you can easily share it with them. 
Second, subscribe so that you can be part of the ongoing conversation on whatever app or website you're listening on. Big conversations become the catalyst for meaningful change. If you happen to be listening on iTunes, please take a few moments to leave a rating and a review. The last thing I'll leave you with is that we are building a community of conscious leaders to engage in big conversations and support the Free Your Inner Guru podcast. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash freeyourinnerguru or support.freeyourinnerguru.com. Until next time, I'm Laura Tucker, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.